Hello, this is Andrew Brewer. I'm your host of the Healthcare Insights in Northwest North Carolina podcast, brought to you by Northwest Area Health Education Center at Wake Forest School of Medicine and part of the North Carolina AHEC system. Today I have Janae Joyner as my guest. She is the Associate Vice President and Assistant Dean, and I probably there'll be a lot more to add to that, at the Center for Experiential and Applied Learning at Wake Forest School of Medicine. Welcome, Janae. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here. Great. So let's just start out by giving us the overview on SEAL and its goals and objectives and all that kind of good stuff. And then Absolutely. also how you got involved and your background. Absolutely. Um, so SEAL is the Center for Experiential and Applied Learning, uh, CEAL. Um, and we are uh, an experiential learning training center that's housed within Wake Forest School of Medicine. But we serve all different learner types across both the academic and the clinical enterprise. So we support all of our School of Medicine programs. So the MD program, the physician assistant program, uh, academic nursing, as well as uh, the graduate school. But then we also serve our clinical enterprise, uh, nursing, uh, APPs, um, faculty, uh, we also have um, external schools that we partner with, uh, such as Winston-Salem State in the community, um, as well as uh, Salem College, um, and doing some anatomy-based training, and um, as well as we support K-12 pipeline programs uh, for folks to get interested uh, in science while they're uh, learning and growing uh, in their K-12 uh, years. And how did you get involved? Yeah, so I am actually an alum um, of uh, Wake Forest uh, Graduate School. So I have a PhD in molecular medicine. So I was a basic bench scientist for um, a number of years. Uh, then I worked in continuing medical education um, with a nonprofit. Um, then went back to school and got a master's in healthcare administration. Moved over to our uh, dean's office uh, to work with enterprise project management. Uh, did that for a while, wound up in the MD program um, as my next step within Wake Forest as the program director of academic affairs. And at that point, we had just finished an LCME accreditation, which is the MD program accreditation, and moved into a new medical school building. And the fourth floor had a simulation center, but there was also a simulation center at the hospital. And it was determined in July of 2017 that those two centers were going to merge and form one. And so um, because of my background in history uh, and working relationship, they said, here, we'd like for you to, to run this. And so I had a steep learning curve, but a wonderful team uh, behind me that had done this for a number of years. And so uh, we formed SEAL uh, at that point. Um, we've gone on to become accredited uh, in the last two years uh, by the um, American College of Surgeons as an accredited education institute, as well as accredited by the Society for Simulation and Healthcare. That's great. So we're going to talk a lot about simulations, uh, I predict. Um, so you mentioned that, uh, I mean, you cover a large range of learners um, and you have MD students that are learning to go out into the clinics and practice. And you also have professionals. So I'd like to start out by asking, um, what do you notice the difference in the learning styles or learning attitudes of the MD students and approaches or and any other unique behaviors or characteristics versus people who have been out there and are coming back in for training. Any thoughts on that? 
Sure, so I think with our, our current learners, uh, they want a variety of different learning opportunities and um, being able to get information fast and have different modalities by which to assess information is important to our MD students. Um, they are able to have, for example, um, all of their uh, classroom didactics are recorded through a software called Echo 360. Um, and uh, in the simulation space, we actually do some recording through a software called Learning Space, um, where we're able to give real-time feedback. And then also if faculty members are off-site, uh, delayed feedback technology-wise, and so there's a lot of information at their fingertips. Um, and I think that that is something that is wanted and needed at this stage of medicine. Uh, when we think about professional learners that have been in it for a while, sometimes it's coming back and learning skills that are new technologies. Um, so I think ultrasound, which is part of um, SEAL. So SEAL has uh, high fidelity simulation, but we also have uh, ultrasound standardized patient actors as well as anatomical resources, including a human body donation program. So when you think about the um, professionals that have been practicing for a while, they're coming back in to say learn ultrasound that maybe they didn't do in medical school. We now have a four year integrated ultrasound curriculum for our MD students, but somebody that's been out practicing may not have that skill. And they actually start learning sometimes from the very same place of learning the knobs of the machine and how to think about the planes and the images um, that's ongoing uh, within that, um, but sometimes they have to come back and relearn. We also, with the professionals, do a lot of things with, say, um, there's a new knee operation that needs to be done before it's done in an actual patient. Well, we have our human body donation program, which is a fabulous thing from a standpoint of the donors and their families that give, it's the most precious gift uh, that can ever be given. And we're so thankful for all of our donors, but it helps um, our practicing physicians be able to try that knee replacement before they actually do it on a live patient, which is something that we also see that you're not necessarily seeing in the MD program because they're not ready for that step yet. That's great, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I, I agree with the whole, uh, donating the, your, your physical self once you've passed and, and for, for science and learning. So that's great. I'm really behind that. Um, so I'm going to take what you just said there and apply it to your basic science background. And you mentioned translational science. And how do you take what you learn in SEAL for those learners that you just talked about to the K-12 environment and talk about those pathways that you're cultivating in that space. Absolutely. So we do quite a bit in the K-12 space. Um, SEAL's got a couple of programs that we operate ourselves. Um, so one of those is called the Rolling Bones. Um, and so we actually go to local schools in Forsyth County, but also surrounding counties, especially now that our catchment area is much broader. Uh, to be able to take um, learning stations to those individual schools. And so folks might learn about um, what, um, like be able to hold a human heart in their hands and look at all of the different components of the heart. Um, they're also able to do that with the brain. And then we also have um, a set of inflatable lungs that are human lungs that we have as well as a smoker's lung. And we compare the two and talk about nutrition and you know, all the different types of things that go into keeping our body um, as well nourished and um, as healthy as possible for the future. 
Um, we started the Rolling Bones program a couple of years ago. Uh, with COVID, we've not been able to do that. Um, we just started getting back into a couple of schools uh, this year as we're allowed, but that's a program that we take out. Um, we also have a program called Code Med, where we bring uh, individuals into um, our medical school at Bowman Gray Center for Medical Education. And that's usually a little bit longer experience than what we take for Rolling Bones. Uh, rolling Bones usually ask, last about whatever a, a period would be, like a high school class would do it during their classroom time versus for coming to us, it's more of a field trip. So it's usually about a three hour experience and they get ultrasound, anatomy and simulation all during that time to show those modalities. We teach things similar to what we would teach the medical students. So they may learn about how to intubate a patient uh, to get them ready for anesthesia. Um, we may um, allow them to deliver a baby uh, because we have birthing mannequins where you can actually um, load the baby into the, the pregnant mannequin mom and be able to uh, have the inner workings of that mannequin be able to deliver. Uh, we also have task trainers, which are lower fidelity type training uh, modes that we are also able to do. And then we have our anatomy um, components as well. Um, so it's a really good program. We also partner with a lot of folks across our institution. So we, we do actually a lot with AHEC. Um, so we just partnered uh, for the first uh, AHEC scholars opportunity with uh, college level uh, scholars that are part of uh, the AHEC statewide program. And we're offering this across the state of North Carolina, partnering with other simulation centers, including our sister uh, simulation center now as part of Atrium Health, which is Carolina Simulation Center in Charlotte. And uh, so we just did our first broadcast for that. And then we also help with Camp Med, which is a, a program that's also run through AHEC uh, with Melanie Mills. And uh, she has different uh, camps that uh, are going on in the local uh, communities uh, in surrounding counties. Uh, usually uh, upwards of 20 camps a year for her, and we provide some of the simulation experiences uh, for being on site for those. We also partner with our Maya Angelou Center, with volunteers, with Ronald McDonald House volunteers, um, and with our student diversity and inclusion groups in order to provide simulation experiences for all of their opportunities. Our hope in all of this is that we will spur the interest of kids that they want to go into science, math, technology, engineering, uh, so the STEM careers, but specifically into healthcare. Um, we're in a place right now with healthcare that we really need folks to, to be part of our healthcare system. And so stimulating young minds to say, this is fun and uh, you get to help people and uh, it's a great career opportunity um, is, is something that's important as we think about the future of healthcare and how we're gonna take care of populations of the future. Great, great. Thanks for all that. And shout out to uh, Melanie Mills and our, on our team here at Northwest AA. Um So I have a few questions that arose as, as you were speaking there. Um, go back to just in general, how, how are programs offered? Like, uh, are they group settings? Can individuals sign up for it? Like, I'm talking more of the healthcare professionals who are, are coming in who want to upskill or uh, you, you know, how, how are they, how do they come to you? Um, was it cost them? You know, what, what time commitments kind of thing like that? Absolutely. So, um, SEAL focuses mostly on internal learners. So those that are part of our atrium health, Wake Forest Baptist 
center uh, mm -hmm. system, um, including our community hospitals. Uh, we also focus on our School of Medicine programs. Um, but we do have some programs that are offered for external communities. So I'm going to talk about both separate because they have a slightly different model. Well, um, I, I think, let me interrupt you there. Yeah. I think, I think um, those in the system would probably know. So let's just stay on external? the, yeah, the external. Thank you. Absolutely. So for internal, um, they do know our system and there's a form on our website that that people can come through or they can email sill at wakehealth.edu for services just in case there are folks that are listening that ha have not used our services and would like to. Mm -hmm. For the external, we have, um, especially in the area of ultrasound, we have external ultrasound courses that carry continuing medical education credit. And again, we're working with AHEC and our CME office uh, at Wake Forest in order to host those courses. Um, and so we have those in the areas of neurovascular ultrasound, neurovascular interpretation, um, neurovascular ultrasound, acute care, emergency medicine, and OBGYN. So that's our major part of our portfolio. And so people are able to go to our website. So again, wakehealth.edu slash seal, C-E-A-L, and find our ultrasound tab. It's now under uh, external learners. There's a, a tab for that and you're able to find all the courses uh, that we offer. There is a cost for that because we are providing the CME as well as the content, and it ranges in cost depending upon the number of days. And so you can find more information uh, on the website as to the cost for each specific course. In addition to the ultrasound courses, we also offer um, maintenance of certification and anesthesia. And so again, that's listed on our website. We're also willing to work with other folks that if there's training that is needed, um, we have a, a, an internal price list that we have so we can scope out anything people want and work with them to make it come to fruition. Uh, we also work with industry sponsors. So if there's things that industry wants to do um, in our area, uh, we're able to work with them and again, charge them for our internal price list to be able to work on things. Um, and then for the K-12, external, there is no cost for us to come to schools. So again, if you're uh, hearing this and, and want more information, seal at wakehealth.edu is our email address and also our website. Um, you'll be able to find more information there uh, to be able to get to get us to be able to come uh, and provide things. We also have for K-12 an online presence that we've had in the past. So that's also an opportunity. It's, it's based in Canvas. Um, and we're also moving towards more virtual um, offerings as we learn uh, lessons learned from the pandemic, um, especially in our ultrasound space, people don't potentially want to come for a week long course anymore. And so we've got the modalities to be able to do something different and we're working on some redesign um, that would give more flexibility uh, to learners. That's great. I mean, one day we'll have tactile suits and, and the yes. VR, so you'll be able to have um, that that sensation absolutely. and everything. So, which brings up a, a question about like describe some of the equipment that the in the simulations because the way I see simulations, there's the tactile hands-on, and then there's the situational. So you you kind of don't have the tactile as much when you're delivering it virtually, but when you go there and you have uh, the mannequins and all the, you know, things hands-on, um, talk about that and how situational uh, things are integrated into it as well, because simulation would be like, well, what's going on and, and what, what, what things can I do that are going to be, provide feedback that will show me how 
accurate and precise and correct I, I was on, on whatever it was I was doing. Absolutely. So we have uh, a lot of different technologies. Um, so in simulation, we have a wide range of mannequins um, that are provided from key vendors uh, in the space. Uh, the, the mannequins range from like a neonate baby. Um, we've got a regular baby. Um, we have um, children. Uh, and then we have um, both men and women mannequins of different uh, types, uh, as well as the birthing simulator that I've already mentioned. Um, we also have task trainers, which are partial um, types of, of parts. So say there might be an arm or there might be a pelvis. So we're able to do um, like uh, IV insertion. So if, if somebody's getting kind of a, a line to be able to push medications through in the environment, are you able to get that in? If you're needing to have a pelvic exam, how can we um, have folks practice and so that it's a more, the most enjoyable experience that it can be for the patient? Um, so we have lots of different things from that area. In the ultrasound, we have a variety of different ultrasound training machines. We've got a fleet now of about 15 to 18 machines. Um, half of them are down at our medical school and half of them are at the hospital. And so there are different vendors um, that we've gotten over the, the time. Uh, we also have uh, paracentesis and thoracentesis models uh, to be able to do ultrasound as well as ultrasound guided IV arms. So again, you can learn how to do IV, but you can also learn how to do an IV with an ultrasound um, opportunity. And then we've got a thing called um, the uh, or sorry, the uh, Vimedic, uh, which uh, is a half mannequin that has the ability to look at abnormal and normal anatomy um, and be able to ultrasound and look through things. And so that is used quite extensively for residents and faculty, as well as medical school training. And so it's a, a really uh, top-notch uh, piece of equipment. And we're looking at um, uh, trying to acquire a symbionics, which would be a female model um, from a different vendor that, uh, is a, that would be able to help us in that space. And then um, in the anatomy world, we have um, the precious gift that people give us in regards to uh, cadaver-based uh, uh, education. And so um, we use that for both the medical school as well as for uh, the hospital side. And then from a standpoint of um, our standardized patient program, we have about 70 to 80 actors. Um, and you can just be a community member and we train you. Um, you get uh, paid $20 an hour. And we're looking to increase our diversity in our standardized patient program. So again, if that is an interest of yours, that you have time, that uh, you have a, uh, can uh, choose your schedule based upon our events, so you don't have to work every event, so you can work as much or as little as you want, but $20 an hour um, for being able to come in and help train our students to be better at taking care of patients for the future. Um, so some of that's technology-based and some of that's non-technology-based. Uh, that part of what we have as resources. The second part of your question, I'm going to ask you to repeat. Yeah, well, okay, so there's a lot of tactile things that you described. Um, what What is the technology piece that hooks in for feedback? So, like, what are you, what are, just describe some of the more advanced uh, simulations and, and maybe a torso. Um, what I envision is some torso, and then you're given a uh, scenario where, okay, he's defib, defib or, uh, you know, he's, here are the symptoms, what do you do? And then you do 
like problem-based learning in other words like mm -hmm. but but in like real time is you have anything like that we we do we do um interprofessional um based education where there is immediate feedback with faculty and so it uses the technology of being able to have learning space which is a, a video system and um it connects to a, a larger technology so we're able to record and provide feedback that way but a lot of times we have the faculty members with us and they give real-time feedback through a debrief at the end so um, the basic scenario is a group of students comes in they don't necessarily know each other uh, in this particular interprofessional i'm thinking about is uh, in our emergency medicine clerkship for md students but it also involves PA students that are on rotation. It involves nursing and it involves emergency um, medical technicians that are out in the community that come in. So it's a multi-layer. So they come in and they get a pre-brief on what the simulation experience is going to be like. We have objectives that are written for each of the three or four different groups that are working together. They come in and they work as a team. They may have never worked together before, more than likely they haven't, and they take care of the patient. And then after the scenario is over, we do a debrief. And during the debrief, that is when feedback is elicited. But the way we elicit the feedback is actually by the learners being able to talk about their experience. And the debriefer walks them through and they may point out things, but usually you kind of know what you didn't do right or what could have worked better. And then you move on to the next scenario, having had that feedback loop in to then take it into the next scenario of interprofessional work. I see. That seems like, you know, simulating real situations to me, like Absolutely. everyone's in the room. I didn't know if there was like technology that played the roles of those other people. Like if you're a PA student and you're like, okay, I'm in this scenario and there's these actors. I'm the only live actor. I mean, I guess I'm trying to translate it from how you would have to have groups of people to have individuals, individuals and still have that same experience of working interprofessionally like that because that's how it works in the on the ground right right usually everybody is there but i have to say when you mentioned virtual reality and augmented reality um, we're working on um, a plan around higher technology to determine if that's where experiential learning should go um, as part of our atrium health uh, integration work um, i think i've already mentioned i have a sister uh, simulation center over in charlotte um, that's led by Dawn Swardesky and her team at Carolina um, Simulation Center. And uh, we're working on an integration plan of what experiential learning and simulation will look like uh, integrated across our entire network as we serve North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. So that's a, a body of work that we're getting to, to think about. And now that we're larger, could we ever have people uh, in a simulation that are uh, in Georgia working on the same simulation as somebody in North Carolina. And the way that we do it now is through uh, using learning space technology or black diamond technology in order to stream out simulations and then put people in WebEx groups in order to talk about it. Um, and that's a great way to be able to do some of this with this level of technology now. But I think there's going to be uh, things that are going to open up for the future that will make this even more so being able to meet each other in the metaverse which are you know a new term that i'm learning about and you know in the virtual world of, of being able to put on headsets and come together um, from different places and work on something together yeah that's great and i i, I want to ask uh 
if you would agree with this statement, there's nothing as uh, uh, maybe uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nothing is effective in learning than hands on a cadaver. <laughs> I would say that it is important to have hands on and, and the cadaver is the real is the real specimen. And there are some things that come close to that um, where um, there's a plastinates model that we have uh, explored uh, for the future and that that will probably be some of the the testing um, or the curriculum for the future. But all of that's actually still based upon um, a different process of preservation of, of donors that are done uh, external uh, to our organization. And so I think it's a, a really, um, we're so again, so thankful for folks that are donors that are willing to be able to help us be able to train our current students and then also train um, continuing education so that um, our patients get the best care possible um, because of that precious gift. Well, I think there's something to the the honoring of that. I mean, even those exhibits like Bodies Alive that had the plastic things. If you go in, you feel like these are people, you know, so you honor that and the gift mm -hmm. that, you know, now we're learning, we're seeing the bodies in, in motion and action, and you can see how the muscles respond and how everything connects. So that's a great learning experience. And I think it also brings in that honoring of, of the, the life that that body was in or the life that was in that body. So. It is. And our students, um, every year our MD students um, have a cadaver ceremony at the end um, and are honor um, the ultimate gift that was given because it's their first educator. And there's a, a poem that's written um, by one of our students that's up in our anatomy lab that really is like, you know, um, it was my first patient. Um, I learned so much and you were my educator. and um, being able to hold somebody's hand and think about all the things that they've been through. Um, and now they're, they're being able to, to do one more thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a sweet story, a sad story, but a sweet story. And again, we're just um, so thankful for, for folks that are willing uh, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I've changed my position. I'm going to keep my organs and donate my body. So I've already got that laid out. So yeah, I, I'm all on board with that. What is the most specialized uh, piece of equipment that you have there, like narrowed down to the, I mean, ultrasounds, you know, it's one type of procedure, but there's all kinds of situations where it would use, but like, what's the, is there something that's just super specific for specialization? Well, we have a, a mannequin that's called the HPS. I'm not quite sure what HPS stands for, um, but it um, allows you to infuse drugs during the experience and have the physiological response. That sounds that great. That's going to go on in, in somebody. So you're able to not only just adjust the monitors and the heart rate and things like that, but have other responses. And I'd probably say that is one, it's, it's, it's a technology that's been around for a while, but I think it's very impactful and especially in the anesthesia space um, and surgical spaces that we're able to do training uh, with that. Um, it can only, uh, it has a, an umbilical cord, if you will, that has to attach to the to the floor in our uh, mock uh, operating room at the hospital, which is outfitted very similarly to all the the surgical rooms uh, or, or surgery ORs that we have in our facility. And so it helps folks be able to come in and 
again, we do team training, but also individualized training and um, prepare folks for being able to, again, be what they do what they need to do when they're in surgery, when when somebody is, you know, needing uh, great care, um, being able to provide that great care. So that's that's a cool one, as well as the biomedics that I've already mentioned uh, as far as some things. And then, you know, we have on tap trying to figure out where's technology headed. I'm, I'm actually leaving for uh, Los Angeles in the morning to go to our annual simulation conference, and there will be an exhibitor hall that will be full of um, different vendors that have products that have been being developed. Um, and we're even considering internally from like a virtual reality um, standpoint, augmented reality, would we ever have our own teams to be able to do something like that to build Wake Forest specific? Uh, there's a lot of great vendors that, that have a lot of great products that are able to be utilized uh, for things. And in the simulation world, we're, we're very fortunate uh, to have great partners that take our feedback as to things that we need for training and be able to, to make some of those things happen. There's even a, a Simventors um, type uh, experience where uh, people that have developed things uh, locally are able to share at this conference. So um, it will be a, a great exhibit floor um, in a couple of days to be able to bring back uh, new technologies, new training techniques, uh, things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking in the lines of, you know, remote virtual training where you have individuals coming together in simulated groups um, and, and it just harkens back to uh, you know books like Ready Player One where you have the haptic suit in learning because he was a student who you know jacked in what was the uh, oasis was the uh, environment that everyone entered into and then you had places you go from there um, with the haptic suits haptic gloves and then augmented reality or virtual reality models that, that actually have the physical feedback. So you really get that real experience. And that, the, the simu, what was that one, or the one where you test anesthesia and stuff, that's what I had in mind when I was thinking about simulation. It was like real time biometric feedback as you do things Absolutely. to something a cadaver can't do. So right. there, there's one up on on the on the dead body, but. <laughs> um, so what, what is your favorite toy? I mean, I use toy, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, so I think it's more, I would, uh, well, I guess I would <laughs> say our birthing mannequin because um, of all the great work we've done in the birth center um, mm. over the last couple of years. And so, you know, we didn't deliver babies, normal, normal delivery babies for over 40 years at Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. And about three years ago, I guess now we opened the birth center. And SEAL had a, a fabulous opportunity to be part of training some of the new staff that was coming in um, with a course called the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists Emergencies and Clinical Obstetrics course, which we now still offer um, and everybody in our birth center goes through it on an every two year rotation. Um, as again, quality improvement around emergencies that they may not see every day so that we're ready uh, to take care of patients that might come in with those. And so having these birthing mannequins was so um, needed during that time to be able to help stand up the birth center. I also think it's one of our most popular K-12 outreach. So we, we do make sure that, that parental consent and everybody's okay to be able to uh, go through a simulation like that. Um, but to be able to catch a baby and be like, I, I mean, the, the first time I did it, I was like, oh my goodness, I just delivered yeah. a baby. I didn't know what that was gonna feel or look like, right? 
And so being able to, to go through um, that, I think that that's probably my favorite, uh, my favorite mannequin for those reasons. Now, does it make noise? Does it holler out? And <laughs> so it doesn't, but it, what um, in, in um, our simulation rooms, we have a control room and then the, the room that the mannequin is actually in. And so the simulation team members that are, are part of SEAL are able to sit on one side of that two-sided glass and they have a microphone and they can speak for the patient. Oh, great. Vernon uh, Williams, who is uh, our, our nail simulation manager, um, he, he does a fabulous pregnant woman. Um, and so <laughs> it is amazing when he does it and it, it gets, you know, the first time it happens uh, because you're not expecting it, sometimes it can get like the laughter and things like that, but I really feel like it pulls people in. Um, and then sometimes we'll have some of our team, um, sometimes we employ standardized patients to do this, but sometimes our teams will be family members and they'll, you know, they'll start causing a commotion uh, during during the, the scenario as well so that somebody's got to, to come away from what's going on and, you know, tend to the family member. Again, real things that might go on um, that really need to be considered so that we're taking the best care of patients possible. Yeah, that's 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 great. Uh, the cat threw me off. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a question leading into that. Oh yeah, yeah. So I've I've been lucky enough to see to witness live childbirth three times now. So I oh, you know, I, I could just imagine the the noises I would make if I was behind that microphone. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> Without the epidural. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right. Well, one last time, tell us how people can find more about SEAL. I know you mentioned the, the email address a few times. Um, yeah. We can repeat it here and, and uh, your oh, contact right. information, if you whatever you want to share. Sure. So you can reach um, me. Um, so I'm Janae Joyner, and my email is jjoyner at wakehealth.edu. And my phone number is 336-713-7876. Uh, um, you can also reach out directly to SEAL um, by emailing SEAL, C-E-A-L, at wakehealth.edu. And then our website is uh, wakehealth.edu slash SEAL, C-E-A-L. So those are the ways to get in touch with us and to learn more. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Janae. I appreciate it. And I think we had a lot of information that people will be interested in and, and, and worth their time to listen. So thank you so much. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Andrew.